0: Life to me is a really great opportunity to find solutions to be creative to solve some of these pressing environmental challenges so that we can sustain just these amazing landscapes we have in Europe that we sometimes take for granted.
1: Life zweifels ohne eine enorme Erfolgsgeschichte und ich möchte wirklich allen von Herzen danken die dazu beigetragen haben und mit ihrem Einsatz ihrem persönlichen Einsatz Life wirklich mit Leben erfüllt haben.
2: With the EU Green Deal Europe has embarked on a massive project of change. And life is there ahead of us, paving the way for the concrete implementation of the deal. Welcome to Life
3: is 30, a podcast series brought to you by the Life Programme, which for three decades now has led efforts to protect and preserve Europe's natural environment and develop innovative green technologies for a more sustainable future. To celebrate the 30th anniversary of this pioneering European Union programme, we're featuring some of the projects and talking to some of the people working in the LIFE programme who've made it such a success. We're calling this episode Food for Thought. That's because we're hearing from the LIFE projects and European Commission officials who are working on a sustainable food system, reducing waste, pollution and greenhouse gas emissions and ensuring food security. Around one third of the food produced globally is lost or wasted and with this in mind, our first project is Floor for Life in Portugal, which set out to tackle food waste, building on an initiative called Fruta Feia – Ugly Fruit. So let's go to a market to see how ugly can become beautiful.
1: The idea of frutafeia came about in a very simple way. When I saw a documentary on food waste, I realized that 30% of what is produced by farmers in Europe is wasted for aesthetic reasons, and that angered me because it doesn't make sense to be sending things to waste just because they are too small or too big or because they look funny. I wanted to put together a project that would challenge this dictatorship of aesthetics for fruit and vegetables.
3: That's Isabel Suárez, coordinator of the Floor for Life project. Fruta Fea began as a pilot scheme in Lisbon, creating a cooperative that enabled more than 300 farmers to sell misshapen produce at a fair price. The pilot was a great success, but it lacked the financial resources to grow nationwide. Until Life stepped in.
4: Este
1: fruto da Fruta feia, o Floor for Life. The Fruta Feia initiative gave birth to the Flow for Life project and it helped us to grow a lot. With Flow for Life, we have been able to open eight new delivery points within three years, which has created eight new full time jobs. It has enabled us to expand our consumer community to around 5,000 people and help more farmers to sell their produce. Hey Luisa, why are you buying from Fruta Feia?
5: Because of food waste and also in order to help farmers who are unable to sell these products and for the quality and taste of the products.
6: It's a
3: project that places value on farmers' produce and pays them, I hope, a fair price. And that brings producers and consumers closer. This is a project that was needed to avoid
6: food waste.
4: Yes.
3: Launched in 2013, the cooperative has managed to save more than 4,000 tons of food, meaning also conserving soil and water resources and cutting greenhouse gas emissions this success brought floor for life a double triumph in the 2020 life awards in the environment category and as the most popular project with citizens and floor for life is now having an impact far beyond portugal
1: we have applied to the platform against food loss and waste in the european union we have a five-year mandate And through this platform, we have contact with many other organizations that are also working on food waste issues. And there are several other collective entities that want to set up a project similar to ours, and we give them support to start their projects.
3: Isabel Soares, there from Floor for Life, reshaping the fruit and veg market in Portugal, quite literally. Tackling food loss and waste is central to the Farm to Fork strategy – a European Commission initiative that's part of the EU Green Deal and that promotes a fair, healthy and environmentally friendly food system. The Farm to Fork strategy aims at halving per capita food waste – at both retail and consumer levels – by 2030, in line with the UN Sustainable Development Goals. Let's hear now from someone with a key responsibility in the Commission for managing the farm-to-fork strategy in the Commission's Directorate-General for Health and Food Safety, Alexandra Nicolakopoulou. I began by asking her to explain why the LIFE programme plays an essential role in supporting this policy.
6: The farm-to-fork strategy takes an integrated approach, covering from the farm to the fork uh, and trying to transform the way we produce food. We distribute, but also the way we consume food. So it it really links supply and and demand. We cannot achieve the transition to sustainability without innovation, without funding, without investments, um, and all this in the three dimensions of sustainability, environmental, social, and economic at the same time. So this is where the LIFE program Comes I believe that the LIFE program is one of the driving forces to uh, the transition to sustainability. And it can support all the objectives of the Green Deal and the objectives of the Farm to Fork strategy disseminating sustainability practices in the food in the food sector.
3: Through the farm to fork strategy, the commission has set specific targets to reduce the use of chemicals, in particular fertilizers and pesticides in agriculture.
6: When it comes to fertilizers, the strategy uh, contains a target for the reduction of nutrient losses by at least 50% and the reduction of fertilizers by at least 20%. How do we achieve this? In the common agricultural policy, member states have to take into account the nutrient losses reduction target when they develop what we call their national strategic plans. Um, Regarding pesticides, um, we also have a target of reduction by 50% of the use and the risk of chemical pesticides, but also the use of what we call the more hazardous pesticides, and all this by 2030.
3: Thanks, Alexandra Nicolokopoulou. (music) To translate these political objectives for fertilisers and pesticides into reality, the Commission has proposed legally binding targets. Member States will have to set their own targets to ensure the achievement of wider EU targets. And in Spain, a LIFE project is leading the way. The LIFE project Olivares Vivos in Andalusia demonstrates that it's possible to maintain the same productivity while reducing the use of pesticides and fertilisers by more than 20%. So, in line with the farm-to-fork strategy. The project also showed how to protect soil from erosion and how to protect biodiversity with nature-based solutions.
4: The objective
5: of Olivares vivos is basically to recover the biodiversity that the olive grove used to have, that the olive grove can have, and we know it's substantial. We aim to restore it and then convert that biodiversity
3: into profitability for the farmer. That's Jose Eugenio Gutierrez-Ureña, who helped to pioneer an approach to olive grove management that's generated keen interest from olive growers across the Mediterranean. The project has successfully demonstrated how to reduce fertilizer use and, by doing so, cut the cost of fertilizers and phytosanitary products by 22%. I always
4: say that working in favor of nature is much more rentable than doing it against. I always
5: say that working with nature is much more profitable than working against it. If we look at the soil, we can see it's been fertilized naturally because there's a herbaceous cover that has been used to increase the fertility of the soil. And something else very important, we have stopped erosion. The herbaceous cover prevents soil loss, and that is a very important element of the profitability of the olive grove. And then, if we look closely, we can see that this olive grove does not have pest problems.
4: No insecticides
5: are used here to control these pests. Some olive trees were diseased with verticillium wilt, but by increasing biodiversity in the soil through cruciferous plants in the herbaceous cover, we have solved these problems. So in the end, it means that we reduce costs and we don't need to spend a lot of money on services because nature is
3: already providing them to us. Producing food while at the same time protecting biodiversity is a fundamental shift needed in food production because intensive farming is one of the main drivers of biodiversity loss. In its current phase, Olivares Vivos is working with partners in Portugal, Greece, and Italy, which, like Spain, are major producers of olives.
4: I believe
5: the greatest success of Olivares Vivos has been the response it's received from olive growers. We now have more than 900 applications for certification and the olive growers are very happy with this way of working, both in terms of profitability and in terms of enjoying their fields, their olive groves. And I believe that consumers also value sustainable production. Several market studies have also been carried out. And the University of Hain has carried out multi-country studies and surveys, which have shown that biodiversity is on the rise, and that the consumer appreciates and values the production of food in a way that respects biodiversity.
4: José Eugenio
3: Gutiérrez Ureña, there from Olivares Vivos, demonstrating life's support to a critical food sector restoring biodiversity and restoring consumer confidence. Now let's look again, from a slightly different angle this time, at the way life intersects with the CAP, the EU's Common Agricultural Policy. Gael Marion is Head of Unit for the Environmental Sustainability of Agriculture in the European Commission and I began by asking her about the added value of life from her perspective.
7: European farmers have to adapt to the changing climate and the Common Agricultural Policy is more and more investing and acting in the field of environment and of climate. And live projects nicely complement the actions implemented under the CAP and also under Horizon 2020, so more the research side, because these live projects um, establish good practices and by working together with farmers, with forest managers, And they demonstrate some tailor-made solutions. They contribute to raise awareness. They stimulate uh, then a wider adoption of measures and practices.
3: We've heard about Olivares vivos going back to nature for solutions. But farming increasingly uses ultra-modern techniques. Gael explains more about the smarter future for farmers.
7: Clearly, farmers are, like everyone in our society, like every profession, they are more and more connected and they are also more trained and uh, clearly uh, they are more and more environmentally friendly and supported to become more and more environmentally friendly with life, with the CAP and and other tools. The development of precision farming illustrates this smarter trend. So we speak about actions like uh, fertilization, irrigation, pesticides, side application, harvesting, monitoring of animal diseases as well, also for feeding. Precision farming can make uh, the farming more profitable because there, will, there are less inputs used, uh, but the outputs can remain the same. The yields can even be improved sometimes. And there are clearly benefits for the environment with the reduction of all these inputs. But farmers' income is still lagging behind on average and agricultural activity is not so profitable, uh, on, at least on a per hectare basis. So the investment capacity for farmers is, is limited For many of them, at least.
3: Gaëlle Marion there, Head of Unit for Sustainable Agriculture at the European Commission's DG Agri. And talking of precision farming, here's a LIFE project that shows just what's possible. The LIFE NutriCloud project is as high-tech as it gets. But put simply, the project uses sensors to help farmers calculate the exact amount of fertiliser to put on their fields. The project contributes to the CAP's goal of reducing fertiliser use. The associated emissions are therefore reduced. And so too are nitrates that would otherwise leach into and pollute groundwater and streams.
8: A normal farmer without our technology can't be sure what's the right amount of fertiliser to put on. And that's where we are stepping in. We try to calculate it with sensorics. We calculate it the demand of nitrogen on a field uh, with uh, with the cloud and all the informations we have. That's the key to reduce those um, entries from the farming industry into water basins, into groundwater or like wherever. So if we use fertilizer just for the crops and crops taking all the fertilizer up, um, we're good. As soon as we overdose, um, we lose fertiliser and also we pollute um, like the environment. That's
3: Hermann Leithold, the project's coordinator. As he explains, the potential of such intelligent, optimised tools for farming is immense. And as they say, the most important currency today is data. Life NutriCloud works in Germany, but also in Hungary, Poland and in the Baltic states on cereal fields with similar climates. The project has built on previous work funded by the EU's research programme, Horizon 2020.
8: Horizon was more in the area of cloud management. And uh, during the LIFE project, uh, we actually incorporate uh, also all the things going on on the farm, on the field level, which basically means uh, sensor technology, which means terminals, also means uh, satellites. So you can just imagine it like a a cloud platform is just a big database with things going on there and algorithms. And what we do is we connect it with all the physical sensor and measurement systems uh, outside of the cloud, um, and therefore uh, making a bigger um, value out of it. It makes actually sense out of it, so it's not just a technical platform.
3: This kind of pioneering project has the potential to maintain Europe's food security at a time when the long-term goal of the European Union is to reduce the amount of land under cultivation. The results so far, as Herman explains, are impressive.
8: We can, in average, reduce the amount of fertiliser spent on the farm, in average, uh, by by 10 to 15%. um, And uh, we also always see is uh, by redistributing fertilizer, the average yield actually increases by having less fertilizer in average on the field. And that's, that's the sweet spot we want. So we managed to reduce costs on the one hand, fertilizer costs, and we managed to increase the yield so so enhanced profits in that case. Farming land is decreasing since years we are losing farmland every year due to like industrial sites, due to uh, private houses, um, infrastructure, uh, and so on. If we decide, okay, we are going to crop farms on this land, then we should uh, get most out of it on uh, a sustainable way. That's the only way it goes.
3: Thanks, Herman Leithold and the Life NutriCloud team. Now, as I mentioned earlier, the farm-to-fork strategy aims to reduce the environmental and climate impact of animal production, to avoid carbon leakage through imports, and to support the ongoing transition towards more sustainable livestock farming. But overall, farming is responsible for just over 10% of the EU's greenhouse gas emissions. More than two-thirds of that comes from the livestock sector. And it's mainly methane and nitrous oxide. And the Life Beef Carbon Project, working across France, Ireland, Italy and Spain, is leading the way in tackling this challenge. Jocelyn Endurand is coordinating these
2: EU-wide project activities.
3: We realized there was a big
2: difference between the farms and that the difference in the carbon footprint of the farms was in fact a technical difference. So very often, we realized that the 10% of breeders that have the best technical and economic results are also the breeders that have the best results on carbon. And therefore, to optimize technically the farm means an interval between two calvings, which is optimum, an age at first calving, which is optimum, and also not to put too much fertilizers on the crops if it's not needed. Sur les
3: cultures, si pas the project works to encourage farmers to move towards carbon farming, sequestering atmospheric carbon into plants and the soil.
2: There are other levers which will offset these emissions by increasing the storage of carbon in the soil. And these are levers that relate to grasslands. Having as many grasslands as possible, extending the life of grasslands, but also ensuring that grasslands are multi-species and therefore more interesting in terms of nutrition for animals. Economically, grazing grass is the cheapest way. It's good because it's what emits less carbon. In France, there's been a
3: 12% drop in the carbon footprint of the most advanced farms participating in life beef carbon. But the real challenge, according to Josselin,
2: are the less efficient farms. That's what is difficult. Today, if we want to reduce the carbon footprint in farms, we must go to the farms to carry out a carbon diagnosis and to propose an action plan for each farm individually. At the national level, we need financing and an organisation that can enable farmers to pay this service. Perhaps what we can expect from Europe are mechanisms, for example carbon credits, which ensure that those farms that are the most efficient in terms of carbon, or those that reduce their emissions, are somehow rewarded.
3: Thanks, Jocelyn, for your insight. Indeed, upcoming changes to the Common Agricultural Policy will see at least 25% of the budget for direct payments for eco-schemes, providing stronger incentives for climate and environment-friendly farming practices such as carbon farming. Let's stay in the livestock sector, but now let's go to Ireland. The Emerald Isle is well known for its lush, green grazing that's the basis of a thriving dairy industry. But dairy is another food sector that can have a harmful effect on the environment, not least through the waste it generates. Tom Nolan is from Naringtech, one of the partners of the Way to Life project, which demonstrates the potential of the circular economy to tackle the problem of waste in the food chain. Tom explained to us how the Way to Life project turns waste from milk processing into a high-value, high-protein output, instead of simply being thrown away.
0: You have milk, then the milk goes in for cheese processing. Out of that, you will get whey. Whey then goes through ultrafiltration, so the whey protein portion is extracted. And what you're left with is whey permeate. And heretofore, whey permeate has uh, been dealt with in a number of ways, uh, none of which we felt provided a sustainable valorisation route for the dairy sector and an important and significant quantity goes into land spread.
3: Way to Life is a great example of the circular economy in action, and unsurprisingly, it's won praise from Ireland's dairy sector for the innovative solution it's provided to a big waste problem.
0: Previously that would have been a cost to them to dispose of, whereas now with ourselves, they have the potential to generate an income from that product. So we're moving it from cost to a revenue. So the nature of Way to Life project is such as we can guarantee them that, that we will have a sustainable home and a sustainable valorisation route for that product. Heretofore, they've had to get, they'd have to search for markets, that they would be competing against low-value products, uh, and it just was a difficult issue for themselves, whereas we can now provide a more stable disposal route to them.
3: And in true circular economy style, guess where the way permeate can be put to use? Yes, of course
0: as animal feed. Europe has a deficit of what it refers to as high-protein inputs. We fall within that area as regards the animal feed. We've undertaken a number of feed trials using our product, and what we have found from that is we can improve both the average daily gain that is experienced and also the feed conversion ratio. So we're making it more efficient for animals and indeed for fish and aquaculture. We're providing a protein which enhances the gut health, which allows them to incorporate this within their feed and delivers a better outcome for their business.
3: Thanks, Tom Nolan from Naring Tech in Ireland. Our final project for this podcast demonstrates another way in which food producers are valorising byproducts that were previously considered as waste. Let's move from milk to beer and go to Slovenia, whose temperate climate is ideal for growing hops, which are an essential ingredient for the brewing industry. Slovenia is the third most important hops grower in the whole of the EU. Barbara Czech is an agronomist working with the Life BioTop project in Slovenia, which has pioneered circular economy techniques to reduce agricultural waste, making the hop sector more sustainable and enhancing soil quality. As with many crops, only a small part of what's harvested is actually used in the human food chain. Barbara picks up the story.
9: The idea was to introduce circular economy in hop production to return this huge biomass. It is 15 tons of fresh biomass of leaves and stems from each hectare of uh, agricultural land. Problem was that this biomass was useless or even a problem because it was intertwined with plastic twine. Uh, Plastic twine is used as support for hop plants uh, during uh, growth. This climbing plant, we need something to support it, but this plastic was in this biomass uh, making problems.
3: With the hop-growing sector being such a vital part of Slovenia's economy and society, the challenge was to transform this waste into something of value by eliminating the use of plastic twine.
9: The most uh, important activity was to introduce biodegradable and compostable twine in hop production. So we changed plastic with uh, PLA twine. So when we get this biomass, at the harvest machine, it's not anymore a problem. The twine degrades to CO2 water and organic matter. So at the end we get a compost, which is completely safe without any plastic, without any artificial leftovers.
3: PLA is short for polylactic acid, essentially made from the polymerization of fermented plant sugars. Thanks to the use of PLA twine, hop waste fibres can also be used in sustainable packaging products and even biodegradable plant pots. And when the waste is composted, it can have a substantially beneficial effect on soil quality as time goes by.
9: For me personally, as agronomist, I think um, I'm, I'm Very happy because, you know, hop growers usually don't have animals, so they don't have farmyard manure. So the soil is lacking of organic matter. If they can produce their own organic fertilizer for free on the farm, and at the same time, they will uh, raise uh, the organic matter content in soil, I think that this is very satisfying
3: Barbara Cech there, helping to bring the circular economy to a multi-billion euro segment of the agri-food industry in Slovenia. Now, to conclude, the agri-food sector is increasingly under pressure from price rises and resource shortages linked to various environmental and geopolitical factors. We asked our guests from the European Commission for their perspectives on the long-term future of the sustainability and security of the food sector in Europe. First, Gael Marion from DG Agri.
7: For the long term, we need to uh, to, to think and continue to incentivize the, the the development, the protection of biodiversity, of water resources, to develop the quality of our soils, and to uh, and of course to mitigate and to adapt to these climate issues. This is vital for the future of our farming sector. Farmers are very aware. Maybe the message here to pass is that um, LIFE program and and the CAP and, and all the other programmes, can continue to release the financial burden and reduce the risk for land managers who enter into these carbon farming schemes.
3: And here's the view of Alexandra Nicola Nicolakopoulou from DG Sante.
6: There are many challenges in this transition to food sustainability of different nature, economic challenges, political challenges, in all this effort, we should keep in mind that uh, uh, climate and biodiversity challenges and threats are here to stay, and they are not going to become easier. So, we should not lose the long term perspective. Innovation. I, I think that never before innovation and uh, uh, investment have been so important.
3: And as we've seen in this podcast, the Life Programme is pioneering new green innovations and investments, which are making a major contribution to the sector's transformation. That wraps up this edition of Life is 30, Food for Thought. Thanks to all our guests. All this talk of food has made me hungry. Join us for the next episode, Life in a Warming Climate dedicated to the challenges of working to limit and adapt to climate change. Intrigued? We look forward to your company. Until then, don't forget, life, it's what you make it.
0: Dear listeners, Thanks for tuning
9: in to Life is 30, the podcast series celebrating 30 years of the LIFE program, the EU's funding instrument for the environment and climate action.
3: Life is 30 is brought to you by CINEA, the European Climate Infrastructure
9: and Environment Executive Agency. Research and production by Margarita Sforza and Claire Taylor. Our thanks to all the members of
3: the LIFE community.